0: Hey, good morning, 1045. How's everybody doing? Good to see you this morning. And hey, would you help me, church, in welcoming our online uh, audience right now, everybody watching on YouTube right now? So glad that you're with us. Hey, before we jump into today's message, I want to do something. If you are a student or a teacher... Uh, of any kind, be it in school, preschool, whatever it may be, I want you to stand up, church. We're going to pray over our students as we get ready to start a new school year. Our students, teachers, would you stand with me? Yeah, let's give them a hand. Stand up. High school, college, wherever you find yourself. All right. Now, church, we're going to extend our hands towards these guys and pray for them as they go into this new school year, summer starting school this week or in the next few weeks. We just want to lift them up, so stretch your hands towards them. Lord, we just thank you for these people right now that are starting school. We thank you for the teachers that are going to be leading classes. And God, we see this as important. And so we ask you, Lord, to be with our schools this year. And we pray, first of all, we pray for protection. We thank you for safety over our schools, that no evil will befall our students. No evil will step onto the grounds of the campuses of this city or the nation. We pray protection over them. We bind the enemy in any attacks that he would have against the students of these schools. I thank you for these teachers. I ask you to lead them and guide them, that they would have a spirit of wisdom and understanding to draw the best out of these students. I pray, Lord, that our students and teachers will be what you've called them to be, salt and light in the schools that they are in. And I thank you, Lord God, that you bless them as they go into this school year, Lord. You help them to to have the revelation of who you are with them, Lord. I pray that they would hear your voice and be led by your voice only that your voice would be the loudest voice in their mind. And God, we thank you, Lord, that they are going to grow like Jesus did this year in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. 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 It's going to be a great year. <laughs> Church, if you would, if you got your Bible, go ahead and open up to Nehemiah. Nehemiah, we're going to look at the, the, the life of Nehemiah today. And uh, as we get ready to kind of move into the next couple weeks, you know, fall is upon us. I know that it's like supposed to be like record high heat this week, which is funny. I was in Seattle this week at a conference and uh, and there was a heat wave in Seattle. And the people kept talking about like how hot it is. And it got up to 88 degrees. (laughs) I wanted to slap some of these people around. I was like, you don't know. This is like nice goobers. But anyways... Uh, it's going to be a hot week, but school is, is getting ready to start and kind of when that happens, it just kind of changes our life, whether you're a parent or whatever. It's just kind of a different, different fall season, kind of a new year kind of starting. And as we do this, I was, I was thinking la- at the end of last week and going into this week about, you know, what God's calling us to do as we move into the fall. And I believe that the thing that God placed on my heart was that we're called to make a difference. Amen. We're called to make a difference. In fact, at New Song Church, if you've been around for long, very long, you know we have a vision here that we try to keep in front of you all the time. Uh, if you're new to the church, you may not know it, but if you're not new, say it with me: We exist to help people know God, right? And we talk about helping people know God. We're not talking about like having an information ship with God, where you know stuff about Him. He's kind of like a historical figure you can study from the past. That's not what Jesus came and died for. That's called religion. What we want is relationship, and in a. Relationship, you get to be and interact with someone, right? You get to talk to them and they talk to you. You get to be led by God, led by the Spirit of God. That's what we talk about. We say, Know God. That's what we want you to experience. And so we have these values, these five values that we value that help us help people. Know God. So here's what they are. The first one is this we want to reach the lost. We recognize that there's a lot of different kinds of lost. Some people are lost in that they're completely away from God. They don't even know what Jesus came and did for them. That's that's lost, but also we recognize that there are people who are lost in their marriages. There are people who know Jesus, but maybe they're lost in their finances. They're lost in that they don't understand the role of the Holy Spirit in their life. So we want to help people wherever they are know God, and we want to reach people wherever they are when it comes to being lost. Second thing is we want to create worshipers. Creating worshipers means that worship is not just a 21-minute section of a service we do once a week, but that the highest calling of our life is to be a worshiper of God. We were wired and created to be worshipers, and so we want to live a life that is a life of worship. Seven days a week, 24 hours a day. Number three is we want to develop disciples. We're not about just following jesus around but we actually want to be people who are learning from jesus learning from the word and then we're sharing that with the world around us we're being developed as a disciple so we can disciple our schools disciple our our homes disciple uh, our workplaces make a difference in those areas number four is we want to build the family We want to help you to build your family on the kingdom of God and on the principles of God's word, but we also see the church as a big family, and we want to build this overall family where we're all operating within this church family uh, the way we're supposed to, as, as what's called the body of Christ, where everybody, every part of a body functions in its role. And then number five is we are activating difference makers, and that's what I want to focus on today. As we move into this school year, I believe God is calling us to make a difference. And I believe that inside of every person in this room is a desire, whether or not you have uncovered it or not, there's a desire in you to make a difference. Not to just kind of doggy paddle your way through life and just try to keep your head above water. You know, we're, we're not called to live a life just because we ain't died yet. That's not, we're called to make a difference. And I don't know about you, but I want to, I want to leave this world better than I found it. I want to know that because I lived and Jesus lives in me and he's the hope of glory, that my life impacted people, that people are going to go to heaven because I, was, I existed, that people are going to walk in some freedom on this earth because I existed. How many of you would say, I'm down for some of that? Okay, so, so we need to be difference makers and we're called as Christians, right? Christ-like. I, I can't think of a greater difference maker than Jesus He shows up on the scene and history is divided into A.D. and B.C. Like this guy made a difference. He comes on the scene and we can go from death to life. How many of you know Jesus made a difference? And he's calling us to be difference makers. So I want to look at the story of Nehemiah today because Nehemiah was this incredible difference maker in in his world. Now, let me set this up for you a little bit. Um, This story takes place... In, in, a, in a time when the, the Jewish Hebrew people are in exile, about 150 years before this story, they have been pulled out of their hometowns, their cities, their families even, and they have been brought into Babylonian exile. And so Nehemiah finds himself at this time uh, as the cupbearer to the king of Persia. And so his job is to taste the wine of the king and the drinks of the king and the food of the king, not to make sure that like, you know, it tastes good, but to make sure it's not poisoned. So this is an interesting job. I was thinking about it this week. Like a good day for you is at the end of the day, you're still alive. But actually, if you're doing your job at the end of the day, you're dead, like the other days, you really weren't really doing your job. It's only when someone actually tries to poison the king and you eat it and die that you did your job. So not not a job I'm looking for, right? I don't think anybody wants that. And yet, actually, in this at this time, this was a very desired position because Nehemiah, he was like living in the lap of luxury. He's with the king all the time, sampling, you know, poo-poo platters and the stuff that's Anybody else when you were a kid and you heard that, you were like, no, that cannot be a real thing. But then it was. I had one in California as a kid. Blew my mind. It was fruit. Wasn't it fruit? Anyway. But he's living in the lap of luxury. Most of the, the Hebrew Jewish people, they're like slaves. They're like out in the fields working hard. He's, he's with the king. Like He's living it up. Okay, so the story starts, these, he hears about these, this group of people that's been to Jerusalem and he wants to get a report on what's going on in Jerusalem. All right, so Nehemiah chapter one, verse three says this. They said to me, so this is Nehemiah, things are not going well for those who returned to the province of Judah. They are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem has been torn down and the gates have been destroyed by fire. Now check this out. When I, this is Nehemiah talking, heard this, I sat down and wept. In fact, for days I mourned, fasted, and prayed to the God of heaven. Okay, so let me try to help you understand this. Nehemiah is hearing about his hometown that's in ruins, but really it's not even his hometown. This is 150 years after the exile. He's never been to Jerusalem. His mom and dad never were in Jerusalem. Jerusalem. Maybe his grandpa was in Jerusalem, but at, the, at, at least his great-grandpa. So he's three, maybe four generations removed from actually living there, and he hears about this, and he begins to break down and cry and moan and weep and pray for days. Like, what's up with that? You know, I, my parents grew up in this little town in West Texas called Crest, Texas. Anybody besides them ever heard of Crest, Texas? No. You know Why? because it's this little rundown nothing of a town. Now, at one point, it was kind of a happening place, right? And, and, and it reminds me, have you ever seen the movie Cars? There's the there's town, Radiator Springs. What happened in Radiator Springs actually happened to Crest. At one point, it was this happening little town, things were going on, and there was the road that went through this town, and so a lot of commerce and business, and it was going on. But then a new highway was built, and it got passed up, and then the Radiator Springs dried up. Well, the same thing happened to Crest. This new highway's built. The town gets passed up, and it begins to, to die. Like there was a grocery store. The grocery stores is closed. There, the school is, parts of the school are closed. At one time, it was like a football power in West Texas. It ain't no more. Like hardly can field a team anymore. And people have moved out, and buildings are falling apart and, and decaying. And I, I've been there, and I've seen this. And let me just tell you, I don't care. Like, I don't. I mean, I think it's neat that my parents grew up there. And when I'm in West Texas visiting family, I like to go kind of see it more just to kind of reminisce and see what a mess it is now. But I don't find myself like sitting down in the middle of the town going, no, God, why? No, I don't care. (laughs) So what's up with Nehemiah? Like, that's my parents' town. Like, this is, gener- this is like me finding out my great-grandpa's town is falling apart. Like, I'm going to care even less. So what's up with, with Nehemiah? Well, here's the thing. Uh, in Jerusalem is the temple. And the temple is the place where the presence of God existed at this time. And, and what Nehemiah is hearing is the people are living a life well below where they should be. And they're living disconnected from God. Sound familiar? Sound like the world that we, we have around us right now? We, we see people all the time, and they're, they're, we, we see them, and we kind of go, man, they're living far below what God's called them to experience. They're, they're being stolen from. Things are broken down. Things are in ruins, and they're not connected to God like they should be. That, that's, that's a lot of the world I see today. And so so what happens here? Okay, so I'm in this zone lately of these seven point messages. I got another one for you today. So I got seven points for you today. And the first point six of these points are about what you do. This first point about is about who you are. And so here's where we start today. We see this in Nehemiah, and this may be true for you. I think, in fact, I believe it to be. Difference makers experience holy discontent. In the heart of a difference maker, which by the way, you're all called to be difference makers. There's this. There's this thing inside of you that sees something that's going on in the world, an injustice or whatever, and 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 something about that bothers you, and you see it. And you, and sometimes you 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 see it, and it's like no one else sees this but you, and you're like, why doesn't anybody else see this sometimes? But it's because it's calling to you. It's your calling. See, like if I'm in this room and I'm over here in the corner of this room and you're over in the corner of that that corner over there and I call to you, I'm calling to you, calling your name, I'm trying to get your attention, right? Some of you, that's what some of this stuff is. There are things that are going on in the world and it's calling to you, it's your calling. Things that you see that bother you that you don't like and it may be a holy discontent. Now, I'm not just talking about, you know, Stuff that you just don't like that you're just cranky over. That's not what I'm talking about. Like this week, I was in some really bad traffic one time in downtown Seattle, and, uh, and I, was, I was sick of it, and I got cranky, okay? And it wasn't like a holy discontent for, man, I wish justice was being served to all these people. No, no, no. I just cared about me, okay? And that's one of the ways you can tell the difference between holy discontent and I'm just in a bad mood or I'm cranky right now. Holy discontent is not about you. It's about somebody else. So maybe you look at the world right now and you see marriages and you go, man, oh, I, don't, I just hate what I'm seeing in marriages today. This is so far below what God's called people to live at. Maybe you see poverty and you're just it, it just eats at you. Maybe you see addiction, drug addiction, sex addiction, sex trafficking. Whatever it may be, There's some, you, you see something. And I don't know what it may, may be, but you see something and it just... It just stands out to you. And, and my question to you this morning is, is God calling you to something? Do you see it because God's calling you to make a difference in it? And I think we need to ask ourselves this question. As we move into a school year, as we move into the fall, one of the questions we need to go to the Holy Spirit with is, Holy Spirit, what, what is it? What's that thing? What, what, what's calling to me? What, what, do you, what have you called me to see that maybe not everybody else sees? That what, what are you calling me to make a difference in? I believe you're called to be a difference maker. So what is calling to you? What are you? Where are you experiencing holy discontent? Here's the second thing that we see. Difference makers start with prayer. Now here's where we get into the actions. Nehemiah starts by seeing an injustice, seeing something that he says, this is not God's best. And he wants to make a difference in it. So what does he do? He starts with prayer. In fact, the first chapter of Nehemiah is this like beautiful prayer he prays to God. And, and notice it, it tells us that he, he began to weep and pray for days. Actually, days is, is, is true, but it was, it was a lot of days. In fact, the, the story begins in Nehemiah chapter 1. It starts off in the month of Chislev. And then it, his prayer ends in the month of Nisan, which is four months later. So for four months... He does nothing but pray and fast and seek the Lord. And here's what I want you to see this morning. Prayer is powerful. And sometimes we underestimate prayer. And and here's why. We live in a very natural world. And and most of our life is driven by our natural senses and by our emotions and by what we feel and what we experience. And so we go to God in prayer and let's just get real. Sometimes you pray and you don't feel anything. Sometimes you pray and, and you don't see the results right away. And so the danger is we, we pray and nothing happens right away. And so we begin to think, well, maybe this doesn't even really matter. But the Bible says it does. In fact, James 5.16 says the prayer of a person living right with God is something powerful. Something powerful to be reckoned with. That's, a, that's an incredible verse. My friends, par- prayer is powerful. When you pray, coincidences happen. When you pray, Doors of opportunity open up for you. When you pray, doors of opportunity sometimes close for you. And that's a good thing. When you pray, doors of opportunity for the enemy to attack you are closed. Prayer is powerful. And it's not just what prayer does outside of us. It's also what prayer does inside of us. Because remember, prayer is communion. It's communication with God. When you pray, it's not just one-way dialogue, you talking to God. It's God being able to talk to you. When you go to the Lord in prayer, you're allowing him to speak in your life. And I believe in Nehemiah. As he spends four months praying, he, he's getting revelation from God about what he should do and how he should do this, how he should approach the king, how he should do the things that God's calling him to do as he makes a difference. Church, prayer is powerful. And so my question to you this morning is, what does your prayer life look like? Maybe you're here today and you say, man, I don't hardly pray at all. Okay, what if you spent five minutes in prayer every day? Like, I'm not asking you to to pray all day. That's crazy. You can't do that. But what if you spent five minutes a day in prayer? What if you spent 10 minutes a day in prayer? What if you spent 30 minutes a day in prayer? Some of you are going, that's insane. I could never do that. I'll show you how to do it. Six times five. Six times a day for five minutes. Super easy. And you will have prayed 30 minutes a day. How many of you believe that if you spent five minutes in prayer a day, every day, for the next 365 days, how many of you believe your life would look completely different in 365 days? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So what are we waiting for? <laughs> like for real, if we believe that, like what is the problem? We, we need to recognize the power of prayer. Prayer is powerful. Prayer, the prayer of a person living right with God is something powerful to be reckoned with. Yes. So we need to be people of prayer. Here's number three. So, so Nehemiah recognizes that there's a problem. He he recognizes he's called to make a difference. He starts with prayer. But then, number three, difference makers step out in faith. Nehemiah has to step out in faith to do something. And we're called to do that too. We're called to walk by faith. And Nehemiah had to risk a lot. He had to risk his comfort. He had to risk his position. He had to risk his life. He's going to go to the king. And he's going to ask the king to allow him to start rebuilding Jerusalem. Now, the reason that Jerusalem is in the condition it's in right now is because of this king. This king has signed an edict that does not allow building to be done in Jerusalem. So if a, if a wall falls down, it's got to stay down. If your shelves fall down in your house in Jerusalem, tough. Like you're just there's no construction to be done because this king is afraid that that if they build, then they're gonna rise up against him. And so he has made he he's the one that has set this in motion. And so Nehemiah is gonna go to him and ask him to change his foreign policy. And remember, this is a time, like, it's not like today where, where, you know, like, presidents and government officials can't just do anything they want. Like, this is a time when a king, like, if you came into the presence of a king and your countenance was down and you upset his mojo, he can have your head lopped off and, and it, nothing happens. Like, he, he can do whatever he wants to do. And so Nehemiah has to go to him and ask him to change this and, and, and change the very rules that he has set in motion he could lose his life over this, or he could lose his job. I mean, he's got this cushy job. The king could say, you know what? You ungrateful little sucker, you go out in the fields with everybody else and be a slave. I'll find a new cupbearer. But he has to risk all that. But what's amazing, if you read the story, is he goes to the king and he asks him, and the king says, yes, I'll do it. And then Nehemiah keeps pushing it. It's crazy. He's like, okay, uh, and I need authority from you and papers from you. And I want you to send some people with me to to be a guard. And, And also, we need some materials. So can you open up the Persian Home Depot and give us some lumber? And I need some money to finance some of this stuff. And the king says yes to everything. Everything. It's crazy. And what this shows me is this. When Nehemiah stepped out in faith, God stepped in with favor. And I want you to know today, when you're obeying God, when you're doing the assignment he's called you to and stepping out in faith in the assignment he's called you to, he's going to step up in favor to help you accomplish it. But you've got to be willing to walk by faith. I remember when, when, when we decided uh, almost five years ago to move to Oklahoma City, man, we were stepping out in faith. We had to, we had to it, there was some risk in the natural. I was leaving behind. I was at a church called Gateway Church, one of the biggest churches in America. I had a good job there. I made a good amount of money there had a good position, had a lot of influence there. And I had to leave all that to move here. I didn't know anybody here. We didn't have a job here. I didn't have any income. But God stepped in with favor. And all of a sudden, just people started coming across our path. And before we knew it, we had a team of people that were going to help us to build this church. And, and even like stuff like when we moved here, we, I didn't have a job. And we got a home loan. Like that's nuts. The bank gave us a loan. And I was just like, well, I'm starting a church. Okay, cool. That's the favor of God, my friends. If you'll step out in faith, God will step in with favor. Difference makers are people who walk by faith. Here's number four. Difference makers step up and fight. Difference makers step up and fight. This is a good one, man. I want you to get this today. Understand, uh, you're in a battle, and there's an enemy John 10.10 says there's a thief. His name is the devil, Satan. And he hates you. Sorry to tell you that. He wants to steal, kill, and destroy you. And he's looking for an opportunity to do it. And and you're in a fight. If you're you're called to do something that's going to make a difference for the kingdom of God in this world, you better recognize there is a fight on your hands. And he is going to resist you. The enemy is going to resist you. So you better resist him. You better come ready to fight with your dukes up. Nehemiah experiences this. As soon as he's going to do this work, he, he runs into opposition. There's all these people that rise up that don't want to see these walls being rebuilt. There's a bunch of people that have been raiding this city and stealing from people and, and doing damage to this city and robbing people, and they don't want to see these walls be rebuilt. And the Israelite people hear about this, and they're kind of concerned. And Nehemiah says this, Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 14. He says, Then I looked over the situation, I called together the nobles and the rest of the people and said to them, Don't be afraid of the enemy. Remember the Lord. Some of you, that's the price of admission for you today. Don't be afraid of the enemy. Remember the Lord. Yes. Say it again. Don't be afraid of the enemy. Remember the Lord. Some of us, were so focused on the enemy. We're so focused on the problem. We're not remembering that the one who stands beside us is the greater one. And if God is for us, then who can stand against us? Quit focusing on the mountain and focus on the God who's greater than the mountain, who can flatten the mountain, who can remove the mountain. You've got to recognize, gotta remember the Lord. He goes on to say this, who is great and glorious. And then check this out, and fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. Remember the Lord and fight. we got to remember the one who's with us, and we got to put our dukes up and get ready for a fight and expect a battle. Yes, there's an enemy who opposes you, but there's a greater one within you and with you in this fight. goes on to say this in verse 16. From that day on, half of the men did the work while the other half were equipped with spears and shields and arrows and armors. Remember that part. The officers posted themselves behind all of the people of Judah who were building the wall. Those who carried materials did so, check this out. So they're carrying materials in one hand and it says, and they held a weapon with the other. And each of the builders wore his sword at his side while he worked. In other words, these guys were locked and loaded and ready for a fight. Yes. Okay, so let's look at this again. What, what happened? There were people on guard over the people doing the work. My question for you this morning, here's the first question. Who's on guard over you while you're doing your assignment? Are there any people in your life that you've given permission to come alongside you and speak into you where they maybe see danger? Like, like for example, uh, you have a friend that could come to you, and you're married, and he could say, Hey, man, I know you're, you're a happily married man, and I, I see this situation. I see you hanging out with this other girl at work, and it don't look right. What's up with that? Help me understand. You guys remember that? Yeah. <laughs> Help me understand. What's going on here? Because the Bible says you're to flee the appearance of evil, and this kind of appears a little evil to me. Or, or girls, maybe another girl comes to you and is like, hey, I've been noticing you've been reading a lot of these like romance-type graphic novel stuff. Help, help me understand what that's all about. Do <laughs> you think that's really good to be meditating on that, that, that stuff? Is that pleasing? And Is that the, the stuff that works? I mean... Help help me understand. Is there anyone in your life that can speak into you? you, you got a buddy who travels. Hey, man, I, I've noticed you, you're on the road a lot, away from your family. What, what do you have in place to keep you accountable? What, what are you doing? And you say, well, I wish I had somebody like that, but I don't. Well, here's how you find somebody like that. You become that to somebody else. You start doing that for others, and they'll start doing that for you. So you be the person that speaks in and goes, hey man, I just I see this and it concerns me. I I got your back and and you get mine. I got your back. I'm gonna look out for you because sometimes I can't see everything, but I'm gonna stand on guard. I know you got an assignment. I got an assignment. We gotta make a difference. And while we're doing the work, I need someone watching over to make sure there's no dangerous areas that are left open. It's good stuff, right? And then they had their weapons with them. Well, what's your weapon? Well, one of your weapons is the word of God. Bible's called the sword of the spirit, right? My question to you is, is the Word of God locked and loaded and ready to fire in your life? Is the Bible a book that sits on a shelf? Is it an app that just sits in your phone that you open up once a week? Or is it something that you're, you're loading into your, into your spirit every day? Getting the Word inside of you so that when the attack comes, you're ready to fire. How do you fire? You speak that Word out of your mouth. You got to get in your mind before you can speak it in your mouth how do you do that you look at verses you find verses that apply to your life you begin to meditate on those you think on those verses you, you you recite those verses you put little cards up in your in your car you get you go over a verse until you memorize it you get it down deep inside of you why because you you never know when you're going to need it but what you don't want to happen is something comes up all of a sudden you're sick and you're going oh man i got to find a verse on this no, no, it's when, the, it's when the doctor says, hey, we got to run a test. It's in that moment that you say, go run your test. But I know that my God is for me, so who can stand against me? I know that my God will supply all my needs, and with long life he'll satisfy me. And I know he took stripes on his back so I could be healed. So I don't care what your test says, I'm healed by the stripes of Jesus. And it happened 2,000 years ago. It's hard. All of a sudden, you're going, oh, oh no, the report is cancer. Okay, uh, what, what am I going to do? Okay, what does the word say? Let me find it. Uh, no, you're not thinking right then. You need it in you now so you can pull it up. The Holy Spirit can pull it up if you put it in. Oh, I'm preaching good this morning. Okay, difference makers, step up and fight. we got to fight on our hands. Get your dukes up. Difference makers, stay on track. That's number five. Difference makers, stay on track. Nehemiah 421 says this, we worked early and late from sunrise to sunset and half of the men were always, everybody say always. Always. We're always on guard. I also told everyone living outside the walls to stay in Jerusalem. That way they and their servants could help with the guard duty at night and work during the day. During this time, none of us, not I nor my relatives nor my servants nor the guards who were with me ever took off our clothes So they were stinky, but they were getting the job done. They were focused. We carried our weapons with us all the time, even when we went for water. These guys were focused. They understood there was a job to do. There was an assignment. They're called to make a difference. There's an enemy. We got to be ready. You know, there's a saying that exists in the world we live in today that people will say, I got all the time in the world. No, you don't. You don't have all the time in the world. Your time is finite. Your time is a blip on the screen. The Bible says this in Ephesians 5, 15 and 16. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. Making the most of every opportunity. That word opportunity is the Greek word kairos. It means window of opportunity. Making the most of the window of opportunity because the days are evil. Are you making the most of the opportunity, the life that God has given you? There's something that breaks my heart that I see all the time and it's getting worse and worse is I'll be at a restaurant with my family and we're sitting there having dinner and I'll look over and I'll see some other table. And it's, I mean, you can just see it multiple tables in restaurants now where there's a group of four or five people and they're all sitting at a table together, but they are miles apart. Their faces are all buried in devices. They're not making the most of their window of opportunity. Listen, this time that you have with your family, with your spouse, with, with your children, this is all you got. And, and, and this, is, this is, what you're doing with it is all that's going to be done. And so real quick, just to, just to help you, let's, let's bring priority back to this. Cause I think we get our priorities off sometimes and we're not focused on the main thing. We're not staying on track. So, so here, let me just clear this up for you. Number one is your relationship with God. That's number one above everything else. Number two, if you're married is your relationship with your spouse. Number three, if you have children is your relationship with your kids. And number four is your occupation. So, so, you know, for me, number one is Jesus Christ. Number two is Sarah Blunt. Number three is Gus, Bowen, Sonny. And number four is you suckers. <laughs> you're number four. And I hope that that gives you confidence. Yes. I'm not putting you above my family. I'd be, of, I'd be out of the will of God. So many people do this and they're, they're striving. God doesn't call me to strive. He hasn't called you to strive. His yoke is easy. His burden is light. Yes. If, you're, if, you're, if this is hard, then you ain't doing it Right? good word so get your priorities right stay on track make the main thing the main thing seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added unto you some of you are seeking first your own kingdom and that's why none of this stuff's adding up okay number six did I say number six no yeah number six difference makers don't go alone Nehemiah chapter 3 it's interesting uh, we have this list that Nehemiah makes of all the people that helped build the wall. It's one of these, ver- is these chapters, if you're like me, you're reading the Bible and you get to a chapter where like, there's listing off names that are hard to pronounce. And if you're, <laughs> if you're like me, it's like, okay, when does that end pick back up, right? <laughs> but understand, when, when God puts that stuff in Scripture, it's for a reason. And when he puts this in Scripture, it's because all of these people were important to the assignment that Nehemiah was called to do. You cannot do what God's called you to do on your own. You were made in the image of a God who is plural, Trinity. And you operate in your anointing and uh, at your best when you're operating that way with other people around you. You can't do this alone. You need other people. God created you to need other people. The Bible is interesting. It says this. It says that one can put a thousand to flight. You guys ever heard this verse? Here's what, the, here's what that means. When you pray, when you go to, the, to God in prayer, the Bible says that a thousand angels go to work. That's what that's talking about. So you can't see it, but in the, in, the, in the spiritual realm, God is moving and things are happening. This is why prayer is important because there's things that are happening that you can't see. But God's got, he's, he's making the resources of heaven go to work on your behalf. 1,000 go to work. But then the Bible says that two can put 10,000 to flight, yes. not 2,000, 10,000. Right. The idea here is that two people functioning together in faith are 10 times more powerful than one person alone. You need to know this morning, you need other people. Amen. If you're gonna make a difference, if you're gonna do the assignment God's called you to, you need other people. You don't wanna come to New Song Church if I'm doing everything. It would be rough. Worship would be rough. There would be two people at New Song Church if I led worship. Me and Sarah sometimes. She would be visiting other churches, I'm pretty sure. But but God's called me to lead and to empower people with the vision he's placed on me for this church but I need everybody. I need people in those kids classrooms pouring into those kids with the same heart I have up here for you. I need people in the nursery and I need people out in the parking lot loving on people like that. I can't do all this on my own and if I try to do it it's crazy. So so difference makers don't go alone because we can't. This is why we encourage you get in a group. This is why I encourage you, go to next steps. This is why we wanna get you on a serve team, not because we're just trying to pad our numbers or or do more work here. We know that God wants to do a work in you and you need people around you, lifting you up, helping you. Here's number seven. Difference makers are available. Difference makers are available. Nehemiah was used by God to rebuild the walls of his city and make a difference. Why? Because he made himself available. And, and the most important ability to the work of the Lord in your life and in the life of others is your availability. That's, right. That's the greatest thing you bring to the kingdom of God is your availability, is your willingness to just say, God, use me. See, God has an assignment for you. The Bible says it like this in 1 Corinthians seven seventeen: Each person should live as a believer in whatever situation the Lord has, check this out, assigned to them. You have an assignment just as God has called them. God has an assignment for you. He has a calling for you. I'll, I'll say it like this. God has an appointment for you. He's appointed you to certain schools and certain environments, to your gym, to your coffee house, to your, to your place of work. He, he's appointed you to certain people. And here's the cool thing about God. He's, he's appointed you to make a difference. And when, he, when God calls us to do anything, if God asks us to do something, he gives you everything you need to do it. That's what's so great about God. So he, he appoints you to something, and with the appointment comes the anointment. What's the anointment? Here's the easiest way I know how to explain it. The anointment is like wind in your sails. So imagine you're on a little boat, and you're row, row, rowing that boat, trying to go somewhere. And you're working hard, and it's, it's, it's tough. What God wants you to do is say, no, no, I'm going to raise the sail, and I'm going to allow the wind of God, the breath of God to breathe life, and that's going to be the thing that pushes me forward. That's going to be the thing that moves me ahead, and I get to rest in that. Remember, the yoke is easy, the burden is light. That's what God's called you to so, so what happens is God's anointed you and appointed you. So he's appointed you to certain people and then he'll anoint you to minister to those people, to reach those people. And what will happen is when you obey God in the assignment, then his anointing will show up and empower you to do it, to fulfill it. And all of a sudden the natural becomes supernatural. That's right. So as I'm thinking about this this week and the different people who have been difference makers in my life, you know, I'm thinking about pastors and coaches and, all these different men and women who've been in my life, one person stood out. Many of you know my story. Uh, in my early 20s, um, I, had, I was just bound up with sin. And I was struggling with uh, the sin of lust and was addicted to pornography. And it dominated my life and I finally got to a place where I was experiencing the freedom of God. I had, I've gotten real with some people. I talked to my wife and my family, and I had accountability in place. And so I was, I was experiencing the freedom of God. And then something weird happened. About six months of, of being free and walking in freedom, uh, I, I would be at my, my job or I'd be driving in my car or whatever, and all of a sudden, like an image from my past would flash into my mind. And when it would, uh, this condemnation would just get all over me. And condemnation, so you guys know, that's from the devil. Conviction is from the Lord. Condemnation is from the devil. Conviction, here's how you know. Conviction moves you forward. says there's a hope and a future. Condemnation says there's no hope for you. And it points you at the past. So I would have this condemnation that would just be like you've blown it, you've ruined your life, you've ruined your ministry, God can never do anything with you again, you've ruined your marriage, no one will trust you ever again. And it would just weigh heavy on me to the point that like I would I would feel like I couldn't take a deep breath. I could feel my heart like pounding in my chest and I would I would literally have like little the shakes. And so this starts happening, and at first I'm just like, oh, so I I do everything I need to do. I'm praying, I'm speaking the word, I'm praying in the spirit, I'm I'm raising a hallelujah, but, but nothing is working. And so I, one of the things I discovered as I was dealing with lust and pornography was one of the things that was helping me find freedom was being accountable and talking to other people and exposing it. So I thought, well, I'll call, I'll call my dad. My dad's a minister. He's been in ministry for 30 plus years. And if you know my dad, he knows the word of God backwards and forwards. And so I call him up. I'm like, dad, I'm really, I'm having a tough day. I promise I didn't do anything wrong, but I'm just struggling. I just, and I told him what was going on and my dad just lit into it with prayer and encouraging me and speaking the word over me. Me and all this stuff and when he got done let me just tell you I felt no better and everything he was saying I knew but there's just it, it just still wasn't being broken and so a few days go by and I'm still experiencing this it would just hit me like a ton of bricks especially when I was like alone and I'm at work one day and it hits me again and I'm just I can't shake it and I just thought okay I'm gonna tell Sarah I'm gonna call my wife and I'm gonna let her know I didn't want to tell Sarah See, two years earlier, she married me and the version that she thought was not the version that she married. And she had just learned about who I really was. And I felt like if I told her this, I'd be dumping more on her. And it just, I just didn't want to tell her, but I couldn't shake it. So I decided I was going to call her. So I called her up and I said, Hey, hon, I promise I haven't messed up, but I'm just having a really rough time. And, uh, and, and I need, I need you to to pray for me or something. I just need something. I don't, I don't know what can shake this. And she kind of stops me and she's like, I'll be right there and she hangs up the phone. <laughs> I'm going, oh crap. Uh, <laughs> thinking she's probably mad at me. Maybe she doesn't believe me. And now like more weight is weighing on me. And I'm, I'm sitting there in my little office. She, she works about five minutes away from me, but it's taken her longer than that. So I'm thinking maybe she just skipped the country. I don't know. <laughs> But then I get this text on my little Ericsson phone. And it says, I'm here, come outside. And I go outside and I get in our little turquoise Nissan Ultima. And she is smiling and she's holding a root beer. And she says, hey, I brought you a root beer. And I had two straws in it. And she just gave me a hug and she said, I love you. And she talked to me and she prayed for me. And I can't tell you what she said. I really don't remember. I don't remember what she prayed. But what I remember was a root beer and a person who made themselves available. See, Sarah is my wife. And so she is appointed to my life. And because she was appointed to my life, when she made herself available in my weakness, the anointing kicked in. And here's, here's the cheer part. Got you guys ready to cheer over this? It broke that thing over me. Because the Bible says that the anointing breaks the yoke of bondage. And I was free, set free. And here, here's what I'm saying to you today. I believe God's called us to make a difference. And I believe God has appointed you to make a difference. And with that appointing comes the anointment. And as you step out to obey God and do what he's asking you to do, you may not always have all the answers. You may not pray the perfect prayer. But if you will make yourself available, here's what you're doing. You're making God available to someone else through you. So here's what we do. Full of faith, full of fight, full of focus, we step into what God's asking us to do. And we invite him to the appointments that he's called us to we invite him in to anoint us so that the natural turns into supernatural and differences are made can i get an amen? amen would you bow your heads and close your eyes this morning what's the holy spirit saying to you today in this message lord we love you today and we praise you and we thank you god that you called us to make a difference so wherever we find ourselves this year lord we thank you that you're going to empower us and strengthen us and be with us, Lord. We, we, we say that we'll obey you and that we will see those things that, that maybe only we're seeing right now. Lord, help us, first of all, help us to get a revelation of the calling on our life. And then help us, Lord, to, to be people of prayer who bathe those areas in the power of prayer. Help us to be full of faith, to step out and obey you and whatever you're calling us to do. Help us to be be strengthened with the fight that we have on our hands, to be focused on what really matters, God. And we thank you that as we do these things, Lord, your anointing will take over as the wind in our sails that will push us beyond our own natural ability into supernatural breakthrough in our life and in the lives of other people. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you're here this morning and uh, you have a prayer need of any kind, I want to invite our altar ministry team to come down at this time. And, you know, I said earlier, the Bible says one can put a 1,000 to flight, two ten thousand. remember that? That's why we do this every week because we want to give you an opportunity to join your faith with someone else who's not going to do anything weird or embarrass you. They just simply want to join their faith with yours because there's power in prayer, right? And there's power in prayer with other people. So if you're here today and you're dealing with something, maybe you're dealing with a bondage, maybe you're dealing with sickness in your body, maybe you're dealing with, with a, a mind battle or financially you're struggling or you just need peace today, I want to invite you to, to come down here in a moment and receive prayer. In fact, church, would you stand with me? And I want, I want to do one more thing before we do this. Uh, I, I want to take a moment and I want to, as, we, as we're called, listen, we're called to make a difference. You believe that? As a church, as a people. And so I think right now we should offer ourselves to the Lord. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to lead you in a prayer that goes along with Romans chapter, chapter 12, which talks about, or Romans, is it 8 or 12? It talks about offering our bodies a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to the Lord, our spiritual act of worship, to not be conformed to the pattern of this world, be transformed by the renewing of our mind, Then we will test and approve the good and perfect and pleasing will of God. That's what we want to do. We want to see the will of God done. And so we are going to offer our bodies as a living sacrifice, an act of worship right now. So put your hands out like this with me. Lord, we we come to you today and we say, we want to make a difference. We want to make a difference in our schools, in our cities, in our jobs, in the marketplace, in the world that you have called us to, God. We want to make a difference. So Lord, here are our hands. We offer our hands to you. Use them to heal the broken. Work through us, Lord. Lord, here are our feet. Here are our legs, God. Lead us to people who need you. Lord, here's our mouth. We pray that you would put words in our mouth, your word within our mouth, that we'd speak life into other people's lives. Lord, here's our eyes, God. Help us to see things not everybody else sees. Help us to see the brokenhearted, to see those that are in need. Lord, help us, God. We offer ourselves completely to you, God. Use us to make a difference, God. And we thank you that as we offer ourselves to you, Lord, we see this as a living act of worship in your service. In Jesus' name, Thanks for listening to this week's